Welcome to an Impact Ministries production brought to you by Impact Ministries World Changers, changing the way the world sees God. Learn how you can become a world changer today by visiting www.impactministries.com. Now, here's your host, founder of Impact Ministries and developer of Heart Physics, the self development programs that have changed thousands of lives around the world, Dr. Jim Richards. Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to this week's addition to this, I think, incredible series called Ancient Mysteries, and it's about unlocking the secrets of the universe. But today, really specifically, I want to talk to you more about unlocking the secrets and the mysteries of the future. You know, God provided for us a way to always understand what was coming next, to always be able to anticipate and not be taken by surprise. And unfortunately, because of the way that some things have unraveled throughout church history, we have been robbed of that, and we have been made to think that being able to, to foresee the future, being able to understand certain things that are coming, is, is just a prophetic gift. All i got news for you, it's not just a prophetic gift. It is, in fact, something that every single believer has the right to know, has the responsibility to seek out and to understand so that as we move forward, we, the body of the Christ, we're, we can be a blessing. We can anticipate these things. You know, I remember back in the 70s, uh, uh, yeah, I believe it was in the 70s when I was in, I was in Bible college, and um, there was a tremendous earthquake in Central America. I think it was in Guatemala. I may be remembering that wrong. but. Uh, the, there was a pastor there that uh, had a sense that this earthquake was coming. And so his church and ministry began to store food, began to store water, blankets, clothing, all those kinds of things. And so when this particular earthquake hit, they were the only organization in the entire country that was ready to meet the needs of the people. So they not only got to help the people in incredible ways, uh, they got to minister the gospel to them, which is the most powerful and influential thing you know, that can ever happen in a situation like this. So when, when, the, when the body of Christ anticipates what's coming next, uh, we can serve. Now, now, one of the things that just kind of sickens me, and I you know, kind of hate to say all this, but it just sickens me that people kind of act like if they foresee something, that, that makes them specially anointed and they should, you know, they should be uh, put up on a pedestal. No. Uh, it, it, it really aggravates me when I find out that people have a sense of something that's coming, but they did nothing to prepare to serve their nation, their city, their church, their people. It, it just became a badge of spiritual honor that you had this insight. Well, I want to tell you something. When God reveals something to us, he reveals it to us to protect us, to protect the innocent, to protect the godly, and hopefully to reach and protect the ungodly by introducing them to Jesus and bringing them into kingdom living. Now, you know, I always do a little bit of, a little bit of church history and, uh, uh, because since we don't understand church history, since we don't understand how we got here, then 
we really have difficulty walking with God and following the leadership of the Holy Spirit about things that are coming. And, uh, and many times, even in our individual lives, we have trouble following the Holy Spirit because we have these fanciful, super spiritual, idealistic concepts of how God is going to protect us and how God is going to move. And many times they are nothing but just mystical fantasies that have no basis in the Word of God. Now, what the church, and, and it pretty much happened with the advent of, of Catholicism. It was already happening actually before Catholicism. Gnosticism was the first great enemy that grew up within the church. It, it invaded the church from the outside, brought its philosophies into the church. And so, so one of the things that, that happened was, uh, and this was so strategic, you know, you know People talk about understanding the devil's strategies, then they scream up in the air and do all kinds of bizarre things. Well, the, the, the real truth is the, the devil's strategy is to first alienate you from the Word of God uh, through fear, through unbelief, but also through the desire to fulfill your lust in some corrupt way. And when you reach that place and you start finding ways to interpret the Word of God, to twist it, to justify whatever your compromises are going to be. So ultimately, over time, the greatest strategic demonic move that may have ever happened in the history of the church was pretty much the isolation and even the rejection to some degree of the Old Testament. And so the Old Testament began to get this vilification as being a book based on fear and legalism and, and dead works and all of these things. But not, that can't be proven from the Bible. That can be proven from people's opinions. You know, uh, uh, sometimes people will contact me and they will say, you know, Jim, I'm having trouble with this concept. And they'll tell me some concept. And I'm like, well, where did you get that? And they'll say, well, I got this out of the Talmud. I said, well, well the Talmud, is not the Bible. As a matter of fact, the Talmud, even though there's a lot of great historical facts in there, even though there's a lot of true information, the Talmud became the replacement for the Bible and really uh, took the Hebrew people into a, a lot of deception. I know a lot of people that are watching this will probably get upset with me about that, but, but the Bible is the Word of God, not the Talmud. The Talmud is somebody's interpretation of the Word of God, and much of it, much of the Talmud is incredibly corrupt and, in, and, and incredibly confusing, but it is very, very, very legalistic. So, or, you know, sometimes people will contact me. And, you know, you know I had a really good friend contact me just, just a few weeks ago, and they said, Jim, I, I just want to do what, it, what you do. I said, well, what, what do you mean? Well, you know, you know, you've studied science and you've studied medicine and you've studied all these things and you have this way of bringing all these pieces together so that they make sense. And so I'm going to start studying all of those things. And now, now this is somebody that's serious. This is somebody that's serious about God. This is not somebody that's just being goofy or uh, anything like that. And, and so, you know, I made this statement to this friend, which is the same statement I make to most people who come to me. Uh, with that kind of mindset. And I'm like, well, you know what? That's fine. But if you are not absolutely immovable and solid in your understanding of the Bible and able to see the gospel peace and all of this stuff from the beginning and the end of the Bible, then the real truth is you're not ready to do that. Because you don't go out here 
and and read you know a lot of the scientific stuff a lot of this health stuff you don't go read that and then judge the bible by that information you get to know the bible in such a way that that you you know it from from front to back and and you're not just getting it for information when you're reading it when you're learning it you're meditating on it you're you're putting it into practice you're 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 understanding it in a lot of the finished work of jesus and then when it gets to where you are immune to deception, then you can take the Bible and look at science and look at medicine and look at all these things. And you can say, ah, now I can interpret all of those things based on what the Bible says instead of flipping it around and interpreting the Bible based on all those things. Well, the whole concept of ancient mysteries, and one of my reasons for wanting to do this, actually I had a lot of reasons for wanting to do this, but one of the things that, that, that I want to do is I want to open for you your capacity to understand God in ways you understand God. I want to open up your capacity to avoid the deception that comes from false science. Uh, I'm, I'm telling you, there is so much false science in the world that is designed for one ultimate goal, and that's to make sure you never, ever, ever believe the Bible, and you never, ever, ever believe in God. Some of the people who consider themselves the most prolific, you know, the most, the most insightful, the most, you know, da 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 da, da you know, do not believe in God. They reject all of the evidence of God's word, all of the evidence of creation, all of the evidence that, that, that teaches us that the Bible has come to pass on planet earth. It is a historical scientific account of what actually happened. And, uh, but you know, if people have already decided they don't want to accept it, then, then they, don't, they don't want to accept it. But as we begin to understand these ancient mysteries and we see what happened in the ancient world, we see what happened in Lucifer's various attacks against, against man in the garden, against the family, against the women, um, uh, ultimately against the, the nation of Israel. When we begin to see all of these things, then we start understanding how the battle is really fought. We start understanding. The weapon of the real enemy is false information. The, the weapon of, the, of, of our real enemy is not, is not just something that happens internal in us, but it is something that comes to us from the educational system, the governmental system, the economic system, the medical system. All, all of these systems are a part of the world's system, and they are all designed to undermine our relationship with God, our peace in these situations, but also to keep us in fear and trembling and to bow down to, you know, the, uh, the corrupt uh, a Luciferian spirit that is, that is actually attempting to rule the world right now. So, so um, there's a very interesting concept when the Bible talks about the uh, uh, the sacrifices and the offerings, and you know it's amazing. I, I'm just gonna tell you. I, I know this is. I don't know how you take this, but I'm just telling you this. I hear uh, good New Testament Bible teachers and preachers that are really solid in so many areas that have no clue. They have never, ever, ever looked at the Old Testament and said, "Now, let me understand this the way." 
I would have to understand it based on the fact that Jesus was the perfect representation of God. His death, burial, and resurrection brought about the fulfillment, the full expression of everything God ever said. And, and you know, when we're looking at the Old Testament that way, man, it reads different. It looks different. It, 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 it feels different. But, you know, one of the commandments... Now, remember the word commandment. We have turned that into a legal word. There are people that would spit out the word law or would spit out the word commandment and claim that law and commandment is, is fear-based, is legalism. Well, no, really, it's only that way if it's that way in your heart. The real truth is, you know, I, I love the concept in the Hebrew that the word commandment, uh, uh, some Hebrew scholars say that the word commandment would be better understood as a divine prescription. In other words, it's like a prescription that helps you get well, that helps you be whole, that helps you have a great life. And the word law, man, I, I, I love this. The Hebrew word for law can mean signpost. And so none of this was designed to become a burden to us and to force us into trying to please this angry God. The truth is, it was all designed to show us how to walk in love one toward another uh, and, and understand the way that God loves us. You know, because everything God tells you not to do to your friend, to your neighbor, to your family, or even to your enemy, all these things he tells you not to do, he tells you that because he's not going to do those things. All the things he tells you you should do and how you, how you treat people kindly, mercifully, all kinds of things. Why is he telling you that? Because he wants us to be like him and if we're not understanding that you know you know the book of job job had a problem because job misunderstood god and under his pressure he he went to some places of fear and unbelief and and by the way i have a great 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 series about the truth about job that helps you understand what how and why bad things happen to good people and what you can do about it how you come out of it how job came out of it but one of the most interesting questions that God asked Job, when, when Job was coming up for all these reasons these bad things were happening, God was basically saying, so really you're saying that you're more righteous than I am. You're, you're saying the way you see things and your interpretation of me is more justified and more right on than what I have revealed about myself. And we do have this enormous, egotistical, idolatrous uh, uh, concept among New Testament believers, that we can just come up with our own interpretations of the Word of God, our own interpretations of, how, uh, uh, of what God has said about Himself. I want to tell you what, I want to believe what God said about Himself. I want to believe how His names identify and define Him. And I want to believe how Jesus represented Him through His life, His ministry, His death, His burial, and His resurrection. Because once you get outside of those lanes, then you start interpreting the Word of God in a way that always ends up corrupt and ends up destructive. So I can, I'm only going to get to touch on just a little bit of this. But So a commandment is never a burden. A commandment is never something that you're having to do to make God happy with you. A commandment is always a prescription to solve a problem for you, to help you avoid a problem, to protect you from a problem you know, you know, coming your way. So, one of the commandments that God repeated the most was to remember. Now, that, that's, a, that's a pretty interesting concept because, you know, we, we look at things that God said and because, because we misinterpret and twist the meaning of the word commandment, 
if we don't see it as a law that we get in trouble for disobeying, then we don't see it as a commandment. We don't see it as a prescription. We don't see that everything God says is a prescription to heal us, is a prescription to protect us, or it's a signpost showing us the way and how to find how to find our way through life. And I'll tell you, when you know the Word of God, and I, and you don't, you, you know, you know it and interpret it in harmony with what Jesus revealed to us. I got news for you. You don't get confused. You don't get deceived uh, very often. And you definitely rarely, if ever, get deceived on a global scale. You might make some bad decisions one-on-one, but I'm telling you the root of wisdom starts with knowing who God is based on how he has revealed himself. And then that develops into what the Bible calls the fear or the reverence of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And wisdom is always the practical application of the Word of God. And, uh, uh, but that word fear is not being afraid of God hurting you. It's an awe. It's a respect that leads to love, adoration, and worship. And when you start there because you trust God, then I got news for you. You, you wrap every part of your being around every promise of God, every word of God, every name of God. You start, you start looking and seeing how every word of God is upheld by the life, the ministry, the death, burial, and resurrection of the, of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so the thing is, and I, you know, I talk about this a lot, and I'm hitting a lot of foundational things here. But one of the things that the writer of Hebrews points out to uh, the Hebrew believers is, I cannot get you to faith righteousness. I can't get you to that place to where you actually walk in the pathway of righteousness and experience the life of God uh, to its fullest. Because, and one of the reasons is, he says, he says, I can't get you to hold on to and remember the foundations of the faith. And so when I start teaching you these other things, you either throw away the foundations uh, other faith, uh, which you which you you don't want to do, and that's what it means to not. When it tells us to not cast away, it means we can't reject them in the sense of saying, okay, they don't count anymore. The person that tells you that the person that tells you anything in the Bible doesn't count anymore, doesn't have meaning. They either don't understand it or they're a liar and a deceiver. And so, and so we don't throw away anything. We, we look at it in light of who Jesus is. We look at it in light of the death, burial, and resurrection. Say, okay, how do I understand this in light of that? But uh, also that concept of not casting away the foundation. Says, look, I can't keep repeating this stuff over and over and over again. Because, and every time I try, every time I try, try to move on, I, boy, I saw this as a pastor. You know, I pastored for decades, and I'm telling you, it was such a frustration. You would think that you would have people stable in something, and then, then you'd want to build on that, and, and, and suddenly they would forget and leave behind and ignore these foundational things, and they would jump into every new thing as if nothing had come before it. Now, I, don't, I, I hope I'm saying that in a way that makes sense. You. So here's the deal. God wants us to have this incredible life. But you see, we have so spiritualized and mysticized how God works and interacts with us and have ignored everything almost that God has ever said about how he speaks to us, how he teaches us, all these kinds of things. 
Well, this is why when God introduced the feast, all you know, the celebrations, all he he always talked about it being a remembrance. And in the Hebrew, one of the particular words that that is making reference to uh, a sacrifice, it's pointing out the fact that you're remembering something that happened in the past, but you're and that that builds this foundation of who God is, how faithful God is. You know, uh, uh, if you if you could count on God back here for this thing, then then this brings you to be able to look forward. And say, okay, He will be faithful to His promises that have yet to be fulfilled in my life, or His promises that have that you know have have yet to come. But the more we know about the ancient mysteries, the more we know about how God interacted with the children of Israel, actually, the more we have the capability to have a stable, meaningful relationship with God and walk through this world and the pathway of life and avoid suffering and avoid hardship. But also, that means that when we get into situations that are hard to understand, we can look back to how God did something in the past, and we will immediately, because God doesn't change. I mean, his, his methodology might be different. If, you know, if you're, if, if you're drowning, he, 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 might throw you a, he might throw you a life raft, but if you're about to get run over by a car, he's not going to throw you a life raft. He's, he's, go, he's going to deliver you in a different way. So, so the goal, the fact is that he always wants to deliver. The Bible says he always causes us to triumph. The Bible says we are the head. We are not the tail. We should not be living at the bottom rung of life's ladder. We, are, we should not be the oppressed. We should be the people who are forging the way to a great world, to a great life, to great prosperity, great relationships, great love, all of those kinds of things. And so, so, so much of that is based on remembrance. Now, I've, I've said this before. I'm going to say this again. And uh, man, I don't have much time. I've got so much to say about this. By the way, I hope that you will get the audio series that goes along with this. I, I have presented this series in a way that there is not a lot of overlap between the, between the uh, video version that is free. That everybody wants to watch it. And then there's the audio version, which you can purchase. You can download tonight. You can start on it tonight. And uh, uh, and just open your eyes to, to so, so many things. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to get it where you can see, you can perceive, you can understand what's going on without getting into a bunch of mystical nonsense that perverts and twists the Word of God. So, uh, God's bringing the, the uh, feast on board. Now, stop and think about it. And I have thought about this so much. I don't say I know the answers. I have seen that so many Christians that try to observe the feast end up going back more into the old covenant instead of using the feast to understand more of the new covenant. And that's all that's always sad. You know, we don't want to take people back to an old covenant that is done, that is finished, when we've got a better living covenant that gives life, gives strength, and provides everything that we need right now for life and godliness through the Lord Jesus Christ. So you know, we, we, we've got these feasts. Now, with these feasts, every single aspect of how to remain stable as a believer is expressed through these feasts. Now, the problem is we don't know enough about the feast 
to look back at them and say, oh man, a lie. You know, I was, just, I was just looking back today at how the Jews kind of reorganized the, 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 how, the, the sequence in which the feast would flow. And uh, they, they removed what was the very first feast. The very first feast in coming out of Egypt. Now, now let me just say this. From Egypt to living in Canaan, that is our model. That is where we are supposed to go biblically to understand what's going on, understand how to walk with God, understand how to, how to have victory. And so the very first feast starts with unleavened bread. If I'm looking back and I'm looking at unleavened, uh, uh, the unleavened bread feast, I'm, I'm saying, so how, what's it got to do with me? What's it got to do with today? You know, that's all Old Testament. That has nothing to do with Jesus. No, no, no. Because the real truth is in the foundations of faith that we start out with repentance from dead works so that we can move into faith toward God. Now, the children of Israel, they had been in captivity for hundreds of years in Egypt. They had woven the religious ideology of Egypt into the fabric of their theology. And so they couldn't really understand who God was because they had brought so many things out of the religious world. Well, the Feast of Unleavened Bread is more about rejecting all beliefs that you have. Don't incorporate anything from your past religious experiences. Don't, you don't necessarily incorporate anything from what your mother and your father and your pastor and your church, all those people taught you until you can see it in the Bible. I mean, it's all right to say, all right, this is a possibility. This is my starting place, but I got to, I've got to see what's in the Bible. So then you say, okay, I see leavened bread back here. And this is how I apply it. I make sure that I guard my heart from leaven. I make sure I never get out of place to where this can invade my life. And, and it's just, then, then you got the Passover. And so the Passover starts. I mean, what is the Passover? People say, well, it's, it's about getting saved by the blood of Jesus. Well, maybe, but what's your definition of getting saved? Because what it's really about is being delivered from the wrath of God. And so the very first thing that we have to realize is we have been delivered from the wrath of God. We are redeemed. So, so, so we can look back at the Passover and we can say, man, this is what... And so every feast and every event along the way on their journey, the Canaan land tells us something that we can realize that is ours and that we should be experiencing right now in our walk with God. So. So I'm looking back, and I'm seeing something, and then I'm looking forward. I'm saying, oh, and this is, this is how this is manifest now in this new covenant. You know, one of the things I've talked about over and over and over again, all of the tribes that uh, possessed uh, Canaan, rep their names represent a particular work of the flesh. And it shows you how that if you overcome these lusts of the flesh, you know, the freedom that it gives you. And if you don't, the type of bondage that it will take you into. So, so everything that's ever happened, you know, we can look back and say, okay, this is what God did in this circumstance. I know then what God will do in this circumstance. Remember in the new covenant, every promise that God's ever made to anyone is yes and amen to you. So every time I look back to a promise, not a threat, you know, people will go back and say, where, you know, where, uh, where God warned people, God, God warned them, there's going to be destruction. And if you do this, it's going to be destruction. And then everybody says, well, God, that means that God's the one that brought the destruction. No, 
it was their choices that brought the destruction because as many times as not, when you look in the original language, it is in those where it looks like the English is saying God is going to do this. No, it's saying that, that you're going to do it, that God is not the one that's actually causing this. So everything you can learn about the past, for example, you know, we look at Enoch, we say Enoch was delivered from a, from a wicked world. We look at Noah, we say Noah was delivered from a wicked world. We look at the children of Israel, and Egypt, so they were delivered from a wicked world. You know what? I, every place you go back and find that God delivered people from a wicked world. You can look at this world today and say, I'm keeping my ears open because God's going to deliver me from this wicked world. I will not be left in this situation. Listen, I'm gonna, I may come back and share some more uh, about this for you, but I'm telling you what, you want to look ahead with great confidence based on what God has already said and done. Thanks for listening to the weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website for previous podcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.